This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Tim, former GameStop employee. Uh, this is episode number 202. My name is Dane, and with me as always is Tim, the, the former GameStop employee. And we were just talking about GameStop, how uh, they would try to sell you on uh, accessories to the game you were buying, right? So you buy the new Final Fantasy, and they try to sell you on the strategy guy an extra controller a memory card uh what else uh snacks <laughs> um, th- there's this stuff. other yes. yeah th- there's this other rpg that you might like as well right don't forget we have to use copy if you want that instead oh <laughs> I was yeah I, always had that. I forgot but... and and before we forget tim are you a club member yes <laughs> right so that you really had to push if you yeah. were buy, if they were buying a used game because that you get well back when i was working there you'd save 10 percent off every used purchase so if someone was buying a used game or a used controller you'd really try to push that membership so we can get to 10 percent off i think Which, i was a so, member once uh, because uh it, I can't remember which game, but uh, Game Informer, it was the cover story. Mm. But I can't remember which game it was. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll become become a club member so that I can read this one magazine. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually a pretty good deal. For 10 bucks, you got a year subscription of Game Informer plus that discount card. Your savings would end up paying for it pretty shortly if you bought just maybe even two used games. Yeah, uh, how much was the the discount? Ten percent off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. So if they were buying lots, I try to sell people on. If they were buying like a lot of used items and it amounted to let's say like eighty dollars, I go, hey, if you were buying, if you get the discount card, you'd really only be paying two bucks for it right now because you're already going to be saving. 10% off your $80 purchase. So you're paying $8 for it already. So why not just sign up and get it? It's an extra two bucks. A lot of people did. <laughs> and, and, and was it commission-based or something? Is it like yeah. a bank teller trying to get you to sign up? For yeah. A- they try to give you quotas to meet for the week or the day. We didn't. We wouldn't benefit off it for like getting any extra yeah. money, but <laughs> just for the company to make it, our store look good. It's about it. 
Uh, I see. So it, it, it wasn't really incentive-based. Uh, they made it incentive-based, even though there was no yeah. really an incentive. <laughs> They'd no, be like, hey, sometimes yeah. they'd have things with district managers. If your store is number one, you'd have a pizza party or something like that. We'll buy you pizza for lunch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so either that or you'll be fired. For now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Dude, you'd get talking to if your numbers weren't good. So That was the worst part of the job. Selling the club membership. That and the reservations. Just being having that looming over your head and your day at work. I gotta try to get this amount of reservation, this amount of subscriptions. What do you mean? Like they would try to push, or they would have you push reserv- uh, reservations on for yeah for any games. new upcoming game. Yeah, someone oh. buys a game, you try to push them or try to get into res- reserve another upcoming game. <laughs> Why they're buying that one? So what if I come in specifically to reserve a game, but not the game? That's fine, as like, long as they reserve something. Yeah, so a game, okay. Yeah. I see. Ah, oh, man, this this GameStop thing never gets old, Tim. No matter how many times we talk about it, I, I learned something new. You're so it's, fascinated by the GameStop employee histories. Well, I mean, because I never worked there, and by the time I was old enough to work there, I didn't really go to the store anymore. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't really browse around like like, like I used to. So, endlessly that's what, fascinating. That's why I'm curious now. Just how busy the stores are compared to when I was working there. Knowing how much people are playing uh, games digitally now and buying things digitally. Of course, you have to. Well, even you don't have to. You can get controllers and stuff online from Amazon or something. So, yeah. Well. I don't know if I mean this. This isn't any sort of excuse for GameStop, but um, uh, the GameStop that I went to, right, it was near a uh, military base, a Marine base, and so those guys, I guess they couldn't find video games on base, right? Okay. So they would have to go to this GameStop, and. Maybe it's the same way. Maybe there is no game store or there's no uh, place to buy video games on base. So maybe they're still going to GameStops. Yeah, I guess it depends on the area too. How yeah. much people need an actual store to get their copies. Yeah. Remember, I mean, if you, uh, remember the GameStop was supposed to go through this big revamp for their store to try to make it more of an experience to get more people in there. To have it more like a gaming lounge type scenario yeah yeah what if that's yeah, still in the plan because i haven't heard much of that <laughs> I, I remember them uh putting uh folding chairs like those you know steel folding chairs in front of the console demos like mm. like you could one person can play it and then another person or two or three can sit down and watch it i'm not sure if that's what you're talking about, but it's kind of into that vein. Yeah. But to have it be more yeah. part of the store, like there would be an actual section where there's a couch and big TV monitor set up for oh, people yeah. to play and try out that. games. Yeah, so, I know that was the plan. Uh, the the Microsoft stores did that. I mean, I know they're they're closing down the retail stores. Yeah, uh, I just saw that yesterday. Yeah, but 
um, yeah, the Microsoft Store with the Xbox, Xbox um, One. When the Xbox One came out, did that. They would have like three or four couches in their store, and a big screen and a console. I don't know if that was just exclu- to exclusively like like a limited time sort of thing where they were trying to push the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the only place I've ever seen that where they would they had like a a, a separate area where you could sit down and watch uh, somebody or watch a demo of the Xbox One game. Uh, I wonder how long you'd get to play it too. If there's someone there watching you with a time clock, just saying you got 10 yeah, minutes, like, then the next person would come in. Like, oh, yeah, your, your 10 minute period is up. You have to let somebody else play, but you, you just got to the interesting part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would never like to do those things anyway. Touching those controllers, people touching it. <laughs> I would okay. that are probably all those things. Which is funny to think about now because, I mean, back in the day when arcades were the big thing, not, yeah. not just a hipster thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know, you, you play arcade no without problem. even thinking about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah zero problem. Nope. Like going in and, okay, I'm going to play marvel versus capcom for three hours <laughs> so now yeah. if i were to do it it'd be a whole ordeal i'd have my lysol wipes and my lysol spray i'd spray down the, <laughs> the joystick in the cabinet put it after i put it in the quarters i'd have to use some hand sanitizer because i'm touching some money <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a whole ordeal you know especially uh, with uh arcades that didn't use quarters but use their own currency yeah i never played too much of those but yeah it's so much simpler when you just drop in a quarter (laughs) yeah yeah that's true um anyway yeah that's our uh i don't know how how we even got on that (laughs) just good old gamestop conversations (laughs) Uh, yeah gamestop is endlessly fascinating to me I, i still can't believe that they're still around for now um, for now but yeah i still can't believe that but anyway let's get into our dark Knight rises minute by minute commentary uh we're going from minute 150 to 150 uh excuse me <laughs> we're going from minute 150 to minute 151 or uh don't fail me now <laughs> Don't tell me your Dark Knight Rises uh, bio so, got started all the way back from the oh, beginning. Oh, no, uh, excuse <laughs> me. It, it, I mean, I, I, I found it, Tim. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're going from the two-hour and 30-minute mark to the two-hour and 31st-minute mark. Um, so, as always, grab your, kind of like arcades or GameStops, <laughs> grab your, uh, or Microsoft stores pretty soon, <laughs> uh, grab your... DVD, grab your HD DVD, grab your Blu-ray, grab your uh, Laserdisc, your Beta Tape, uh, grab your Blockbuster physical subscription card, uh, grab your Netflix physical physical media subscription, grab your um, your VHS DVD converted copy, and our new favorite Tim, grab your D. VHS copy yes. and your DVHS player. 
Just when you think regular VCR. No, but just when you thought formats couldn't get any higher quality than your VHS to DVD converted copy, here comes DVHS. <laughs> DVHS. Right, what a time it's to be alive, right? <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, home home theater has really taken off after we've learned about um, VHS to DVD and DVHS. So, um, yeah, just grab your, uh, any of those media uh, formats specifically and just cue it to the two, thir- two hour and 30 minute mark. And I'm going to count down. So, Tim, are you ready? I am ready to go. All right. Three, two, one. I'd like to think Batman has a DVHS player in the Batcave. <laughs> or at least a VHS to DVD converted copy. Somebody never know. He might stumble across an old VHS that is the biggest clue he needs to solve a case. In, but he doesn't have a VHS player in the Batcave, but he has a converter. <laughs> He'd be able to transfer to a DVD. <laughs> Get into Batman's big death scene right here, right? I mean, I was yeah. buying into it at the theater watching this. I was like, oh, no one's going to do it right here. We're going to see the death of Batman actually in a movie. And I was fine with it. I don't know if you were, but I was kind of fine with it. Yeah. Like, if you were to go out like that. Yeah, I wasn't thinking, oh, no, they're going to kill Batman off. I was like, oh, this isn't good. I was like, no, they're doing it. And I think it fits for what the story he was setting up from the beginning and up till now. But we're not going to find out on this episode, sadly. Oh, no. I don't know if he's going to survive, Tim. You have to wait another long two weeks in order to find yep. out. <laughs> um, why don't you tell everybody about our future topic for this episode, too? Yeah. We've got some pretty big Batman news. I'd say probably biggest we've gotten in a long time. And it's not official official yet, but... It's looking more and more likely, and that is the news that Michael Keaton is in talks to repraise his role as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Yeah, not just Bruce Wayne, but as Batman. And I couldn't believe it when I saw this. I believe it was on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, and it first came from The Wrap, but then um, it was being reported on several of the main big Hollywood trade sites like Hollywood Reporter and Varieties, confirming that Michael Keaton is indeed in negotiations with Warner Brothers right now to come back as Batman. But it's a lot more interesting than just that because it's not a Batman movie, but it's being reported he's going to be coming back for the Flash movie, which, again, is being talked about being based off Flashpoint. And it keeps going back and forth where I remember hearing... I mean, there's so much stuff to go on with the Flash movie. It's kind of lose track of everything <laughs> in its production history. It was going to be based off Flashpoint, then it wasn't. Then got Ezra Miller and Grant Morrison working on a script that Warner Brothers didn't like, and then all the directors coming in, and it's, now it's back as Flashpoint. So we'll see what the end product is. But as of right now, it's looking like to be Flashpoint, but a different version of Flashpoint that we're, we're used to with Michael Keaton being the Batman in this Flash movie, which is going to be somewhat related to Flashpoint. But obviously it's going to be different since the reports are saying he's not going to be playing Thomas Wayne as Batman, as which is what Batman was in that story. But he will be playing an older Bruce Wayne in the universe of the Tim Burton films. Um, it's been reported that it's going to take place, obviously, 30-some-odd years after that. And I think they're, they're saying it's going to ignore Batman Forever and Robin in the continuity 
which I guess makes sense if you just want to focus on, on the Michael Keaton films. So that's the preliminary reports going on right now as far as Keaton's return. And they're saying also that it's not going to just be for this movie. They have a plan here where they want him to be in other DC film projects. And to kind of, I believe the Hollywood reporter is comparing it to him being like the Nick Fury of the DC universe and kind of be more of a mentor to some new characters and even mentioned as Batgirl being one of the movie projects that could uh, be something where Bruce will be involved in, which would make sense. So a lot of interesting factors to go over with this news. So a lot of stuff that I'm not sure on, but at the same time, I am just excited about the possibility of Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. That's something I never thought would actually happen because you've seen the fan theories or not fan theories, but kind of fan wish lists is what they would like to see a Dark Knight Returns live action film starring Michael Keaton or a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton as an older Bruce Wayne, which is actually would have been the one at the top of my list of some I would like to see. So it was just fun to read those fan wish lists and kind of think about the possibilities of how cool those would be. But the idea now that it looks like he is actually going to be coming back as Batman in some capacity. I mean, how can you just not be excited about that? Just to see the potential of what that could be and seeing him again as an older Batman. To me, that just is exciting in itself. And we'll just have to wait and see how these projects come along and how uh, good they'll make use of him coming back as Batman. But just the idea in general of Michael Keaton coming back as Batman has me really, really excited. So when I first heard this news, it was a feeling of shock. Like, I can't believe he's coming back. And then excitement, man, I can't wait to see him back as Batman again. But then also kind of wondering just how this is all going to work and play out because it has the potential to something that could be pretty cool, but also a potential to be something that um, I want to say a failure because obviously you got to wait and see it, but there's always potential for something to when you're doing big universe crossing time travel. And I think it's this flashpoint movie is going to be sort of more of a resetting and a reboot to create a new DC movie universe timeline, and those can sometimes be messy, so he's got to be careful. So a little trepidation in that regard, but as far as Michael Keaton coming back, I'm on board. Sign me up. I cannot wait to see that. So that was my initial reaction when I heard that. So how about you, Dave, when you first heard this news about Michael Keaton? Uh, my first reaction was, if this Flashpoint yeah. movie comes out, <laughs> this Flash movie uh, gets done. Uh, like you said, all of the different directors, uh, I don't know, writers, I guess. And now Ezra Miller has to go and write it with a bunch of other writers, right? Um, but I do like what they say at the end of the article. I don't know if you got that part in, but uh, that Matt Reeves, the Batman, is mm-hmm. considered a separate thing. Yeah. Uh, so let's say they do make this <laughs> somehow it seems like uh well you know i don't i don't know what to think about it because for a long time there i was under the impression this is never going to happen uh yeah i don't believe this you. is like that this is like that dc timeline that they released yeah mm. in 2017 yeah, i think What's they released it? that timeline in 2014 yeah 2014 okay i think the flash movie was supposed to come out in 2017 (laughs) if i remember right okay so six years ago (laughs) um yeah so 
I I guess it's happening because they're they're saying that you know Michael Keaton is going to come back or whatever. But for right now, um, I you know it, it it'll be cool to see Michael Keaton in a Batman movie. He's a good actor, but if there's a big if in my yeah. mind, <laughs> if this gets done, um, and if it doesn't, then we still have the Batman. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, that that that's where I stand. I I still don't think this movie is happening. Where's the Green Lantern movie? Right. <laughs> it's supposed to be out this year, <laughs> according to that 2014 release list. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for me, it's like, uh, okay, it's happening. Okay, it's not happening. Yeah, it's it's not happening. I. In my mind, it's not happening. <laughs> you see, I would think they would want to get Keaton back no matter what. And if this Flash movie doesn't work out, to kind of figure out something else to do with Keaton. Because he's obviously going to be the big draw for this movie. As much as I just want to see a standard Flash movie, I mean, that would be great. But if Michael Keaton is back as Batman and they're doing Flash Pennant, that's going to be the big selling point, to, just even for a general audience. Do um original first actor to play Batman in a live action movie. Well, I guess if you go back to the serials in the forties, I can't really say that, but for a main high budgeted movie, Batman movie back in 89, the first one to kick off that Batman series, having him back in the role again, that's going to be a huge selling point for audiences. And I think you can do that for multiple different stories. If this flash movie doesn't work out. So, and like you said, it's the best of both worlds for those who are excited about Matt Reeves movies. Like we are, and knowing already how that's going to be separate from everything else in the DCEU, we knew that already. And I I like the idea that Warner Brothers and DC are finally realizing they can use the same characters in different projects without confusing audiences. Uh, that's because comic fans were used to that for so long. And I think it's not a, it's not a hard grasp or idea to grasp for a general audience either. They can figure it out pretty easily, I would think, that these are two separate things. So I'm just glad they're not holding on to that idea that you can't have two different Batmans on screen at the same time. So, but yeah, well, I, I, I guess what I'm excited about, I, I guess you could say is that DC slash Warner brothers is real, uh, has, has learned, you know, you can't just, um, inorganically grow a, franchise like the avengers did like marvel mm-hmm. did like disney did you know you have to have certain pieces in place before you have to build you, get <laughs> to, you have to build to a certain point right mm-hmm. you have to build to the avengers that that first avengers movie you can't just okay here's batman versus superman and here's wonder woman okay so we got the big three there so our next movie is going to be justice league right you can't just do that you know you you have to have certain pieces in place before that and with flashpoint and with flash being able to travel back in time back and forth in time uh it it's a step in the right direction I mean that they can they, they have something to play with you yeah know, rather than let's okay so Batman versus Superman, 
than Justice League, you know? So Yeah, they could definitely Flashpoint is a starting off point. Obviously, it's been done in the comics that jump-started the New 52. And even in the DC animated movie line, the Flashpoint animated movie kicked off the kind of the quote-unquote New 52 animated movie universe and, those, and that line of movies, which end up, I think, being working out really well. So if we can do the same for the live-action movie front, that would be great as well. So it is something where you could start your foundation on. And I just think they're really going to try to make it where it's going to reset the universe in some way, but at the same time, you're going to keep the franchises that have worked the same, like Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Obviously, Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa aren't going anywhere. they got sequels coming. So that aspect of the corner of the DC universe is still going to be there. Certain aspects of Superman, if those reports about uh, Henry Cavill showing up in some other DC universe movies. So it's going to be something kind of like the New 52 <laughs> reboot, where they kept certain elements from the hero's past, but we worked it into a new timeline. I think that's what's going to happen here and probably what their goal is with that. So hopefully it works out because it has the potential to be really cool. But just looking specifically at Michael Keaton as Batman and kind of what you want to hope to see from this because they could easily just have him be back as Bruce Wayne, but I'm excited that the reports are saying he's going to be in Batman. He's going to be in the suit. And we'll see. I'm sure he'll get a new suit upgrade, but I'm really hoping it is something that's pretty similar to the costumes he wore in 89 and Batman Returns. But my biggest wish list, you got to have that Batmobile back. Oh, man. If, to see that on screen again would be amazing. I don't even want to see any upgrades or changes to it. Just bring back that classic Batmobile. It's kind of hard to think that 30 years later, there wouldn't be any changes or upgrades. Maybe he will have a different Batmobile, but you'll see the classic 89 one in the Batcave or something. It's just got to show up there. It just has to. It's as And, when, and Tim, don't forget the soundtrack. I know, like a nice callback. They <laughs> should the do something Danny like Austin. that in. Yeah. Working yeah, the Bat so. Dance or Trust, one of those classic Prince songs from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. But you know yeah. what? I just... The potential, I think, to see Michael Keaton as an older Batman, I'm excited for it because I think it could be a better portrayal than what he gave in those original movies. I don't know because now, have you seen Birdman, Dane? Yeah, I have. See, I haven't. And it just makes me think when I was watching or when I heard this news, is it going to be something where, because the premise of that movie, he's kind of a older, like washed up actor who's only remembered for that role type of scenario. But yeah. does does he actually play himself as an older actor as Birdman at any point in there? Yeah, at the end. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he, <laughs> he has. If if I'm remember, if I'm remembering correctly, it's at the end, and he's he's totally lost his mind. Mm. <laughs> he's more of a crazy. Uh, hallucinating himself okay yeah because just for his acting chops because i'm going to use spider-man homecoming as an example i really like what he did as adrian tombs and Voltaire. obviously he's playing a villain there but just the way as an actor that he's playing now as an older actor i think can make for a really cool batman for him playing an older batman it's i think potentially be something really really cool to see and i'm that's one of the things i'm curious about just what type of batman is he going to be here because is it going to be the disgruntled, more brooding Batman in the future? I mean, he was pretty brooding in those first two movies, but is it going to be even more so? Is it going to be more of a darker, aggressive Batman? 
I was going to say a Batman who kills, but obviously it's been established he's a Batman who kills already <laughs> in those first two movies. So that won't be a new extreme for him. Um, but, but I'm kind of hoping that seems like too easy of a path to go with. I'm hoping it's something a little more different. I don't want to say we're, it's a Batman who's mellowed out more or something, but just someone who still has that drive more so than ever. It's not that he's gone any darker, but the world has changed. So maybe his methods have, have changed a little bit. But it's still that same core version of Batman that we saw in those first two movies and not something radically different. Because if Ezra Miller's Flash is going to meeting up with this Batman, he's already going to know this Batman is totally different from Ben Affleck's version of Batman. So there's, And that version of Batman was pretty dark and obviously a pretty dark version of Batman who would do things that you weren't used to seeing Batman do in certain instances. So... To kind of have the opposite of that with Michael Keaton's Batman, um, I think would be some would be interesting to see in Ezra Miller's Flash react to that. And again, I don't want to make it sound it's going to be it's going to be Adam West to Ben Affleck <laughs> type of comparison, but somewhere in that middle where it is a different version of Batman that Ben Aff- that Ezra Miller's Flash is going to experience and know that it's different from the Batman he's used to with Ben Affleck's version. So I just hope they just don't go that typical. It's a darker version of Batman that's going to be something you've never seen before, but yet we have seen before already. <laughs> Let's just build on what was already established was what Michael Keaton did with the character um, in 1989 and just seeing what he's up to 30 years later. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. Um, are you sure you're ready for change, Tim? Uh, because <laughs> if I if I remember correctly, uh Luke Skywalker in uh, this movie. I don't know if you heard about it, Tim, but it's called The Last Jedi. Remember mm. how that character changed? <laughs> Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> yeah, I can't hear. Luke, you said his name was? I'm not too familiar. So. Yeah, Refresh my yeah, memory. Luke Because <laughs> uh, nobody ever talked about it, so I, I'm not sure. <laughs> if I, that's why I never heard or missed it, so I don't know. Um. I don't know. I, I I just hope that he has fun with it. Yeah. Um, because that's. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you just brought up a good point about the Last Jedi with Luke. We've seen that already with a lot of these characters, stuff that where you're not used to seeing him, and sometimes it works. It gives them a good character arc. And again, I I'll defend Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi uh, forever. So <laughs> it's not that I'm against it, but we've seen stuff like that before. Or characters yeah. you're familiar with in old movies being not how you expected them to be. So let's do the opposite and just see more of that character. We saw those first two movies. Just obviously things are going to be different thirty years later. But let's just continue on what was built already. Yeah, and like I was saying, I just hope he has fun with it. Not you know, I mean, just just let him go and be a Batman he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because. I mean, Michael Keaton is a good actor. Yeah, that's why I think you can do um, some more great stuff with us that we didn't get to see in the first two movies with him as Batman. I think he's even yeah. better now than when he was when he made those movies. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> I didn't know if you're going to add more there. But <laughs> no, no, no. No, yeah. So is that this it is for a future topic. I don't know because there's, I mean, there's obviously big news to digest but at the same time we're still kind of waiting for more on it and more first of all for it to become official but um 
there's just a lot to ponder on and what this means just for the future of DC, the DC movie universe, what we talked about, um, of how he's going to be in more and how I think this is probably going to be a soft reboot for the whole universe, which probably it needs going forward just to kind of have this new identity for what these movies are going to be now that we're moving past the Zack Snyder era once uh, we get to see the final version of the, of his story with uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League cut coming to HBO Max. And this will be, yeah. that will kind of be the last chapter on that. And I think Flashpoint will be the new chapter of what they're going to establish with their movies going forward. So it's going to be interesting. I'm excited. So again, how can you just not be excited at the fact of Michael Keaton returning as Batman, regardless of what the project is? It's just going to be a lot of fun to see this whole project unfold, see our first look at him in the bat suit again, or just even him as Bruce Wayne again. It's going to be lots of fun. So just in the whole build up and lead up to getting to see this movie and the return of Michael Keaton as Batman is going to be a whole lot of fun. And I'm just really, really looking forward to it. You know, Tim, uh, we were talking about Last Jedi and Luke Skywalker and Luke Skywalker changing and all sorts of stuff. And I think this is the perfect opportunity to talk about The Last of Us 2. Um, yeah, I know that was on our docket to talk about yeah, at the end of the show. Yeah, we want to talk about yeah. it now. Let's, let's go in. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so spoiler free. Um, I've uh, beaten the game and you beat it pretty quickly too I know you wanted to yeah. but when you sent me the text saying you beat it I was like man that was pretty quick <laughs> just like in a weekend yeah uh, the story uh, the story is really good it's extremely divisive um, that's the main thing I, I really wanted to hear your yeah. thoughts on because I um, saw a lot of mixed I, reactions towards it. after seeing sure. a lot of positive reviews it's like getting tens yeah. and tens but then seeing some of the online reaction which i guess shouldn't be much of a shock anymore but seeing how it's like one of the worst games ever from some people's reactions i was like yeah i wonder if those are stuff you just gotta not pay attention to because almost every big title has those detractors now i think just to cause controversy or make themselves heard so i don't know if we should put much stock into that that's why i'm curious to see if some of those criticisms are valid or if it's just people complaining for the sake of complaining so i'm really curious to hear your take yeah, and, and do you mind if I spoil it for you, Tim? Or are no, you going to play it? You can go ahead because I've been saying okay. I wanted to play the first one for a while now. So I still haven't gotten around to that. <laughs> so, okay. And um, just seeing things in the second one has me obviously spoiled on things from the first one. So, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, so, yeah, it's extremely divisive, and I can see why. I Okay. Um, Let's see. Where should I start? Um, <laughs> spoiler free. It's a really great game. If you played the first one, you should play the second one. Uh, especially the improvements they made to the gameplay. Um, you can dodge. You can go under cars. You can pr- go prone now. Um, and j- they they sort of improved on that sort of um, that panic base. Uh, gameplay where it's it's not you know you have a million bullets and you know uh, you, you just go around and you shoot people and you're invincible right it, mm-hmm. it's it's more of like there were certain points in the game where uh i got i was sneaking around i got caught and i just sprinted through the entire level uh, just sprinted straight past people 
uh, that were trying to kill me. Uh, it's just that sort of, they, they really perfected that panic based, um, I guess survival horror sort of, um, thing. Okay. Uh, but I guess we can get into the spoiler part. So if you have not played the last of us or the last of us part two, skip ahead because you don't want to be spoiled on it. Um, so the, the, the plot of the first game, uh, it's pretty basic. It's you are a guy named Joel. Uh, you lost your daughter. And the game flashes forward 20 years. And you have to get another girl named Ellie from Boston to Salt Lake. Because it turns out she is uh, immune, right? And so you do that. Um, and you get them to, you get her to the, to these people called the fireflies and the fireflies are trying to save the world. Um, they're trying to, um, make a vaccine for, uh, people so that this cordyceps virus, um, which turns you into zombie, a, a disgusting zombie, um, uh, you know, you, you, you be vaccinated against it. They, they want to save the world. That's their thing. They want to save the world. That's why they're called fireflies, I, I think. Um, but so, so, so you get Ellie to the, to the hospital and um, you're told that the operation to make the vaccine or an attempt to make a vaccine uh, will kill Ellie. And over the course of the game, you know, you, you start to think of her as your own daughter, right? Um, and you, the two characters start getting closer and closer and closer. And it, it becomes a father-daughter thing. So um, as, as Joel, you're told that, you know, this, this operation, whatever you want to call it, uh, will kill her. So you... you, you go through the hospital and you kill everybody that you see and you get to the operating table and you kill the doctors and then you take Ellie and then, you know, you break out and then you go to live with your, your, uh, your brother in, uh, Wyoming. Um, but the key thing here is Ellie asks Joel at the end of the game, you know, um, because he he previously told she asked like what happened and um, Joel lies to her and says um, you know the the whole virus thing was I mean the, the whole vaccine thing um, didn't work out and they've stopped looking for a cure so he lies to her at the end mm. so in 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 essence you are the bad guy of the story of the last of us two. I mean, the the last of us one at the end of the game, you realize you're playing the bad guy. Um, but are you playing the bad guy? You know, because what would you do in that situation? Yeah, it's one of those moral right. ambiguity type st- right. <laughs> scenarios, right? Right. Um, so that brings me on to the last of us two. And like I said, it's a really divisive game and I can see why. There is a lot of that sort of different perspective sort of thing 
and I've I've seen the negative reviews, and I've seen what um, what people are saying, and um, especially with the with the reviews, like the Kotaku review, and I think Forbes did a review, and they were complaining that um, the the characters don't grow; they they don't learn their lesson, and the lesson of the game is that violence is bad right um and it is bad and it is an extremely brutal game uh, and i can't stress that enough uh, it is extremely extremely brutal um you know j- just people's faces when you stab them and um, people screaming after you blow off their legs and their arms uh, you know when you hit them with the axe through their neck you know, just I can really feel it. Huh? <laughs> you really feel it. They really make you pay, uh, feel it. Um, but I think people that say that you know that this game is about violence, that 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 violence is bad, that's the main theme of this story, sort of miss the point. And I think that's just the surface level. And I think this game is about a lot of things. It's it's about and and Naughty Dog has said. You know, when they first announced this game, that th- this game is about hate, you know, and it's about revenge. And I think that they really achieved that. You know, this game is about hate. I mean, it is about revenge. And it's it's not so much about the emotion. It's about how the, how the emotion changes you um, or does not change you. Um, and I think that's where most people come in and they think, that the characters don't change because Ellie. Uh, <laughs> okay, so here's the big spoiler of the game. Um, it's in the first hour and a half. Uh, Joel dies. He dies brutally. Oh wow! Uh, so they didn't even say that for the end of the game. Huh? Yeah. See, yeah. I always, uh, I was always under the impression he died in the first game, and I was kind of surprised when I saw <laughs> in the trailers <laughs> for the sequel. Like, oh, I guess he didn't die. But... Yeah, he, he doesn't die in the first game. He dies in like the first hour of the um, of the second game. So what happened was um, there's this girl named Abby uh, played, and, and she's sorry, I jumped ahead a little bit. Um, and um, her father was the doctor that you killed in the first game. Okay. I was going to do the operation on Ellie. Um, and so she wants to get revenge. So her and her, a bunch of her friends uh, are trying to find Joel. So they, they spend like four or five years trying to track him down. And they finally do in Wyoming. And they sort of corner him. And um, they uh, surprise attack him. He, uh, or maybe I should go back again. Uh uh, Joel saves Abby, and um, Abby brings Joel and his brother back, his brother Tommy, back to where they're staying, which is like an old skiing lodge. And um, Joel is nice, you know, he sort of has his guard down, and he says, oh, you know, thanks for saving us. You know, if, if you guys want to restock, you can restock. And they go into this room, and uh, they're surprised attacked. Um, Joel's leg is blown off, and um, he's uh, 
Ellie goes and saves him. And um, <laughs> you see, it, like it, it, this is the thing because it, it, it's, it's so brutal and it, it, it kind of scars your mind Man. in a sense because uh, when when you do rescue him, he's being beaten to death with a, a golf club. Um, and, you know, Abby's friends hold him down. And, um, well, you know, she beats him with a golf club and kills Joel in front of her. Uh, uh, it's, it's really bad. Um, but anyway, yeah, so... <laughs> it's like I said, it's a really brutal game and it's, it's, it's about revenge. You know, it's, it's about hate and revenge because I mean, in that moment, there's a huge character switch, uh, character mentality switch with, with, uh, with Ellie, you know, yeah, she, sure. she's screaming, she's screaming and she's saying, you know, I, I'm going to kill you. You know, she, she, she's like, please don't, please don't, you know, before she's like, please don't, please don't, I'll do anything, please, uh, please don't kill him. And then, um, Abby, you know, hits Joel one last time and it, it's extremely brutal. <laughs> I mean, you can see blood pouring out of his shooting out of his head. Um, Jeez. yeah. So, uh, and then after that, she, she's like, I'm going to kill you. She's screaming, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to find you, and I'm going to kill you. And that's where the story begins, essentially. So I was like, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> um, so in the beginning of this game, are you playing as Joel? No, you, you're playing as Ellie, okay. and you're playing as Abby. Was she, was she playable in the first game? Ellie? Yeah, yeah. For, for a certain part. Okay. He's, uh uh, Joel, uh, Joel gets hurt. Uh, he falls from a from a from a ledge, and he gets impaled by a piece of rebar. Okay. So you're playing as Ellie, trying to take care of Joel. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So this wasn't like the across, first. Uh, uh, go ahead. No, so the second game wasn't like the first time you're playing as her. That's what I thought. Yeah. Kind of going into it, yeah. maybe that's what one of the big new things was about the second one was you're playing as Ellie over Joel in this one. But I guess that's yeah, not the case. Um, yeah, you play as Elliot in, in, in the first game. Um, you come across uh, cannibals, <laughs> played by <laughs> uh, played by uh, the guy that uh, voiced uh, Nathan Drake. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, doing some weird voice on uh, Nolan North. I think is his name. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where the game begins. Um, uh, Ellie is not in a good place. She wants revenge, and so you go to um, Washington, or you you, you track down uh, these. You find out that Abby is part of this um, this group called the WLF, which is a group that um, sort of has taken over Washington State, and so you you and thankfully, you know, I got to thank Naughty Dog. Or not having us go from Wyoming to Washington State, not having that whole journey, <laughs> um, you, you just sort of it, the next cutscene you're there already. You, you're essentially on <laughs> the outskirts of yeah, fast travel. You're on the outskirts of uh, Washington, and you're and you're with um, I don't know if you saw uh, I think it was the Paris Games Week trailer. 
No. Uh, uh, one with the kiss. No, I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, where where Ellie kisses the girl. Was it that? Yeah. Was it like one of the ones they showed at E3? Like the first, was it the first trailer they showed at E3? Remember that E3 where they were having like those, they brought the crowd into like these different room settings and one of them. Yeah, I can't remember. Was I it like remember. this tent where like there was a dance going on or something? That's the one I remember. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one. Yeah, so um, you've seen that? That's the only, like, I just remember that sequence. I don't remember the whole trailer though. Yeah. Yeah, so that girl Ellie kisses is uh, Dina. And she's kind of in love with Ellie. And she, she's your companion throughout that. And so <clears throat> essentially what happens is you find uh, the WLF and you start killing off Abby's friends. Um, and uh, Tommy is there kind of ahead of you. Joel's brother is kind of there ahead of you. And you're trying to catch up with him. And you're trying to, you know... Uh, get revenge on Abby's friends um, who were there when, when uh, Joel died. And so uh, you do that and then you finally track down Abby and, or you, you track down this guy named Owen and Owen is living at this aquarium, right? And uh, his, his girlfriend is there. And you sneak into the aquarium, and he, he's kind of like the last guy besides Abby to, um, that you have to track down and you have to kill. Um, so you sneak into, this, into the Seattle Aquarium, or whatever it's called, and you, um, you kill him. And then uh, you kill his dog, or there's an attack well, that's not- dog. <laughs> that's not good. And then you kill um, his wife or his girlfriend. And then what you do, what you don't realize, is his girlfriend is pregnant, uh, and so totally. yeah, and so you you have to come to terms with that. And it clearly shakes Ellie, and she goes back and she she's shaking, and you know she's she's you know kind of scared of what she's become, right, and. And so, you know, you, you kind of go to sleep and then you wake up and then Tommy's there. And then, you know, you're talking with Tommy and then, <laughs> and then Abby shows up. And uh, what I did not expect was, so that's the first half of the game. The second half of the game, you're playing as Abby. Oh That's really? So yeah, so it's Seattle. They pull a metal, metal Gear Solid Two switch on you. <laughs> exactly, and going from what I've what I've read and what I've heard, um, that game was a huge influence on this game. Mm, okay. That you play a snake and then you play as uh, Raiden or Raiden or whatever you call him. Um, so it's Seattle Day One, Seattle Day Two, Seattle Day Three. Um, you're playing as Ellie, and then. Um, with Abby, you're playing the same exact story from her perspective. Gotcha. Yeah. Is is that what's causing a lot of the divisiveness around it? Um, no, but I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, um, so Abby's story is she's. I mean, Joel kills her father, 
right? And then she, she after Joe kills her father, she goes into the room and she sees her father lying there dead. Uh, I mean, essentially, you, um, I think the canonical way you kill um, uh, Abby's dad is you stab him to death. Um, but you can't shoot him in, in the first game. Uh, but she sees him, you know, killed or dead on the ground. And then, you know, it flashes, it, it flashes to the current day. The current day is, you know, she's, um, she gets revenge on Joel. She comes back and then, um, Tommy attacks and then Ellie shows up and then, um, you know, she, she's trying to find, uh, Owen because maybe Owen, because there's a rumor that Owen, uh, killed, a WLF member to save uh, somebody from another group, which is called the Seraphites, who are uh, religious zealots. They live on this island with this giant sort of... Uh, they, they, they praise this giant tower thing. And I'm sure you can tell which... I'm, I'm sure you know what t- what tall tower that is. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, so Owen kills a WLF member to save um, this, these people called this, or this person from this group called the Seraphites. And you, you have to go and find him. So you find him at the Aquarium. And then, but on, on the way, you come across these two Seraphites. And I can't remember their names <laughs> for life of me, Lev and. Uh, I can't remember the other person's name because you'll find out why pretty soon. Um, you come across them and uh, you rescue them and um, you know you you, you 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 make it to Owen and then you, you have to find you, so you have to go back and you have to find medicine for uh, w- one of these uh, Seraphite girls or one of them's a girl one of them identifies as male is trans and i know that was a lot of the criticism a lot of the review bombing for uh on on, uh, metacritic Mm. and you know i i just gotta say you know if if, if that's your problem with the game you gotta let that go i'm sorry you just have to let that go i mean it's um you just have to let that go but anyway yeah you have to find medicine so you find the medicine he come back, and then one of the um, the 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 male um, Seraphite. Sorry, I, I cannot remember their two names, and they're big characters. Uh, and maybe I should just look them up uh, because it's <laughs> they 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 do play a really big role in um, in. Uh, in the game, especially, especially, uh, the ending. So, okay. So, um, yeah, Lev and Yara. So Yara is the female and Lev is, uh, the one that, uh, identifies as male. So Yara had her arm broken. I don't, you, if you've seen, uh, the, one of the trailers, she gets her arm broken, uh, a guy holds her down and breaks her arm with a, with a hammer. Um, that's who 
ERA is. So you have to go get her medicine because she has to get her arm amputated. So you do come back and Lev is gone to go rescue their mother but they're, um, on the Surfite Island. That you, you find out that um, uh, the mother is is super into the being a Surfite. So you have to go rescue Lev and then get to the island and um, Abby is killed. And I mean, um, uh, Yara is killed, sorry. And then uh, the WLF attack the sheriff fights. The, the, the two groups are constantly fighting. And um, uh, the WLF finally move on the uh, uh, sheriff fight island. And so th- this is one of those places, like I was saying before, where sometimes you just have to sprint through an entire level. Uh, this is uh. one of them because, <laughs> because uh, the WLF are fighting the sheriff fights. And uh, it, it's just, if, if you're looking for a guide, just run through the entire fight. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, um, I mean, I, I tried sneaking. I tried taking out guys. Just sneak, I mean, just run through the entire area. That's what I did. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so, so you rescue Lev. Uh, Yara is killed on the island. And you go back to the aquarium and... This is where the two stories meet up, uh, Ellie's and Abby's, because you meet up and shortly before uh, Ellie killed Owen and killed um, Owen's wife, his girlfriend. And so that's where the, stu- the, the two stories collide. And, um, and so to kind of make a long story short, uh, Ellie uh, sort of can't get over, you know, uh, Abby killing uh, Joel, and Abby can't get over Ellie killing Owen because Owen. I, I don't know what they were, but they they, they had feelings for each other, uh, uh, Owen and Abby, um, and. Uh, there is a sex scene in it, and I know people that that was a big thing, big point of contention for people uh, for some dumb reason. Didn't we and, already go through that with Mass Effect, the first one, <laughs> thirteen years ago? I know, and it's 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 whatever. It's it's a good part of the story to, to show how close they were, and they're really, you know, hammering that home. And so what happens is, you know, long story short, because I kind of want to get to the end of it, is um, Ellie can't let it, Ellie can't let it go. Um, and so what she does is they, they, they sort of, you know, Abby attacks Ellie, Ellie attacks Abby, and um, essentially they come to stalemate, and it's, it's more of a, you know, I hope I never see you again sort of thing. And so... Abby and Lev go on their way to Santa Barbara, I think. Yeah, Santa Barbara, uh, California. And uh, Abby goes back with Dina. Uh, D- oh, yeah, that's another thing. Dina was pregnant. She has uh, she has the kid, and they're living happily in a farmhouse uh, in Wyoming. And Ellie just can't let it go. She can't get over the fact that Abby killed uh, Joel. She just can't let it go. And then Tommy shows up. 
and he says that you know he he had fought, he found out where um, where Abby and Lev are, and they're in Santa Barbara, and so <sighs> you see this is where a lot of people have trouble because okay. this is this is the this is the point of the game, you know it's you it's and i i i was feeling the exact same way this game is going on way too long you know it's really yeah before this you know you're you're playing as ellie and she's happy on this farm in wyoming with with dina and the baby you know they're they're sort of you know, together and they're a nice, happy little family. And then you're doing farm work, and then you're talking with you know, with Dina, and then you're playing with the baby. So is it almost kind of like the Red Dead ending, like sort final of, part? Sort of. Okay. It's like that ending after the ending after the yeah. ending. So uh. because, because you, you you think it's the ending when you know Abby and Ellie sort of go, go their, their their separate ways, and you know they come kind of come to the stalemate. And you know, live and let live, right? Uh, but then there's this farmhouse thing, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is going on way too long." Um, but then Ellie cannot get over Abby killing Joel, which is like what I was saying. And Tommy shows up, and he, you know, points on the map where where Abby is. She's in Santa Barbara. And then, if, and then you're in the the next scene, you're in Santa Barbara, trying to find, uh, trying to find uh, Abby where, where Abby and Lev are. So so Abby and Lev, you know, they're 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 trying to look for. They heard rumors that there's there's fireflies. There there's there's a stronghold of fireflies. So they're trying to find them. They go to this house. And they are uh, attacked by this other group of people, this biker gang, this California biker gang um, that, uh, I guess, rules Santa, Santa Barbara for, for whatever reason. Um, so you, you're kidnapped. Uh, Abby and Lev are kidnapped by this biker gang and they're held prisoner. And Ellie is trying to find them. So that she can kill Abby. So, uh, yeah, and this is part of the game where I was like, "Oh my god, this is going on. This is going on way too long." Uh, you know, it's this game is an emotional roller coaster. It's so depressing, and it's and I, I don't know if this was a design d- design choice, but throughout most of the game. It's really bleak. You're in the Pacific Northwest. It's raining. There's a lot of fog. There's overgrown vegetation. You know, it's it's the 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 sea has reclaimed part of Seattle, right? And it's it's wet and it's foggy and it's gross. And but it's it's like at the end of this game, you know, it's extremely depressing. But then. You're in Santa Barbara, and it's sight. It's it's bright and it's sunny, and it's like the where this biker gang is is headquartered is in like a a country club, and it's all bright and it's sunny, and there's a pool, and it's like 
the total switch. It's like a total switch. But um, so you sneak into the to the biker gang place, and then you find you find uh, where Abby and I mean, yeah, Abby and Lev are being held. And what happened was they tried to escape, and they're essentially being crucified. There's, I'm sorry, all you religious people, but they're essentially being crucified uh, down by the beach. And you cut them down, and then now here's the ending, and here's where uh, people had trouble, pe- people had problems with. Ellie can't let, can't let, just still cannot let it go. You know, Abby has been out in the sun. She's emaciated. She is uh, on the verge of death. Uh, Lev is re- on on the the edge of death, and Ellie cuts him down. And uh, <sighs> and then um, you know, th- there's two separate boats. The, you're by the ocean. There's two. There's two separate boats. Um, Abby and and Lev get into one. And then uh, Ellie gets into the other one, and she she's gonna leave. But then she she has a quick flash about seeing Joel's face, uh, just bludgeoned, bludgeoned to death, right? And she says, you know, I can't let you go, you know, hey, I can't let you go. And then she holds the the, the knife up to Lev's throat, saying like, no, I'm gonna make you fight me to the death. And so they do. They fight. And Ellie gets the upper hand, and she's she's um, drowning uh, Abby. And then she has a flash of Joel playing the guitar. That that's another thing too. Um, I love the scenes where you're doing nothing but you're just playing the guitar. Like they force you to play the guitar. Okay. Yeah, I've seen little clips uh, of those. And they, yeah, yeah they, they use the touch the, the touchpad, which is really cool. Um, you know, you, you you're strumming along on the uh-huh. touchpad. That's that's pretty creative. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a great cover of uh, uh, "Take on Me" oh, yeah. <laughs> that uh, Ellie sings, and um, uh, uh, another thing I forgot to mention is uh, kind of random, but <laughs> the song uh, "Future Days" by Pearl Jam. I don't know if you ever heard that song, but um, that plays a huge role in the game you're gonna find out why so uh ellie gets the upper hand on abby abby bites off um uh ellie's fingers like two of her fingers good thing i i i I read recently that you only need three fingers which is which is uh if you if you ever lose your two fingers (laughs) uh, all you need is three fingers in life um but yeah, so um, Ellie is drowning Abby, and then she has a flash of Joel playing the guitar, and you, you, you're kind of wondering, like, what is this flashback? I, I've never seen this flashback before. But she lets him go. She, she, uh, Ellie lets Abby go, and you know they, they both go off in their their separate boats. And Ellie goes back to the house that she was living in with uh with dina and she can't um or or dina's left she she's 
she's sort of given up hope on the relationship at that point. She moves back to, with, with, with Tommy in the compound. Um, and Ellie is sitting there alone. And she tries to play the beginning chords because Joel taught you how to play Future Days by Pearl Jam on the guitar. She's trying to play you, you play it throughout the game. That's one of the songs that you keep on playing throughout the game. And she tries to play it. She can't because she doesn't have the other two fingers. So she can't form the chords anymore. And then you flash back. And um, so so what had happened was, you know, when they kissed Tim. Okay. So that that was the beginning of the game. Right. So so that was the, the night before the game. So they go to the dance, they kiss, um, and uh, the the bartender doesn't like uh, is homophobic, I guess, and so he doesn't like that. He calls uh, Ellie and Dina a name, which you know we can't say, which is bad. Um, and then Joe cuts in and he gets all mad and you know whatever. Uh, but then, so. This cutscene at the end takes place bef- uh, after that happened, but bef- the the night before, Joel dies. So the beginning of the game, um, and um, what you learn throughout the game is that Ellie had found out that Joel lied to her. That, mm, that okay. he said that they're, they're not looking for the cure anymore. Um, you know, but what she finds out is you know, Joel killed the doctor, and killed the fireflies and rescued her quote-unquote rescued her and she she's mad at him she was mad at him for a long time um that she lied because her life didn't have any meaning because she she wanted she was ready to die for the cause of saving humanity which is a noble cause right Uh, or at least the chance to save humanity and that joel took that from her she's mad so she was mad at him for a long time and then you know this flashback so, sort of it it, it, it it Ellie says that you know she she don't she she doesn't know if she can ever forgive Joel but that she'll try and so that is where they sort of leave things um, that's the ending um, and Ellie Heads off, for, you know, from the farmhouse, and off, off to the wilderness, I guess, or wherever she's going. And that's the ending that people have had problems with. And I, I, I know, I, I guess I kind of know why, because Abby doesn't, uh, Ellie doesn't kill Abby, and that was the whole point of the game. And I, I think people are putting too much on that point. Um, I. I I know, you know, uh, Naughty Dog when they were creating this game, and I know what they were trying to say throughout this entire game that, you know, this game is about revenge, this game is about hate, you know. And going back to what I was saying about um, uh, the game feeling long, mm-hmm. that was the point to show. And I kind of didn't realize this until I was watching the credits, you know. The, the point of the game or, or the, I, I guess that point was to show that you know the, 
this has gone on long enough and to be exhausting and to be like, I mean, just, just let it go. Ellie. How long can you keep doing this? <laughs> Chasing this vendetta type thing. Yeah. You can't keep doing this. Like you have to stop, you know, you're happy already. And I think that was the point. And that's why I felt long. Um, but I think what people had a problem was with was that Elliot doesn't kill Abby at the end. And I think, you know, going back to people's other complaint that people don't grow, like um, the, 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 the characters don't grow and they don't learn anything and that they only know violence and violence is bad. And that's what Naughty Dog is trying to teach us, even though we already know this. Um, well, from, we, from what you're saying about the ending, it seems like that's not the case <laughs> where exactly. she, she did grow and not kill her. Yeah, she did grow, and she realized that she was wrong. And I think that's one of the major themes of the what game. What you're saying too, paid that, paid the price for that too. Yeah, is is realizing that you were wrong the whole time, mm-hmm. that you sacrificed everything for nothing, essentially. I mean, that's kind of the point of the game because Ellie loses Dina. You know, she loses all the comforts of what she had called home. You know, she lost Joel. She has nobody. Um, Tommy uh, breaks up with his wife, and you know they're they're doing their their separate thing now because he had gone after Abby and the WLF, and his wife didn't want her want him to. Uh, Abby sacrificed everything. Sacrificed a relationship with Owen so that she can build you know build on her knowledge of of tracking tracking people down and you know killing people and i mean she she literally changes her body that's why she's so ripped in the game she's so she she has big muscles in the game it's because she did nothing but had this vendetta against joel and so that's all she focused on and she she sort of put owen and everybody else all of her friends second and that's why owen moved on and was with his girlfriend slash wife um at the beginning of the game so that is the point that i think naughty dog was trying to say is like yeah you can have this hate you can have this sort of revenge attitude but it'll cost you everything it, it, it'll leave you broken and that's where Abby is and that's where Ellie is and that's where Tommy is at the end of this game they're broken people that have nothing because because they wanted they, they could just could not get over their hate for their hate or the revenge or getting revenge on the people that had wronged them or at least felt that they had wronged them you know it it costs them everything and you know the, the thing about like people complaining about like uh, the characters not changing or not not having any character growth and i was thinking about that for a long time i was thinking about that and i was like what are they trying to say like is it that is it that at the end of the story, you know, people finally change or 
is it because Abby finally finds out or realizes that, or sort of midway through the game, she realizes that she had sacrificed everything for nothing. And, you know, she, she had sacrificed a good relationship with the omen for nothing, you know, mm. um, is, is, is that because it wasn't enough character change or character growth? But then I was thinking about like real life, right? I mean, is this like a surrealist piece of video game media? You know, is, is this like, is this like real life? I mean, how, how much do people really change from their convictions beyond, you know, don't touch that stove, it's hot, right? But then again, how many times have you burned yourself on the stove because you, f- you forgot you left the burner on, you know? So, like, how much do we really, really change? Yeah. And to me, that's not from what how you were describing the story. It's not so yeah. much how much the change, but it's the consequences that come because of not changing and that those feelings you have of hate and just wanting revenge. And it's just the sure. consequences, the more... I think meaningful aspect of that and showing what happens when you don't change and just focus all on hatred and revenge. Sure. Yeah. And I think that that's what the point of the game was, or, or at least for me, because I know people like the game and they have different opinions about it and different conclusions because a part of the, I mean, the reason why I sort of wanted to bring this up here is because it reminds me of the last Jedi, how that movie was so divisive. And it doesn't really have an ending, um, at least not for the main characters, at least. Uh, it kind of leaves you hanging. Same thing with Empire. Uh, it kind of just leaves you hanging. And you come to your own conclusions about what, I don't know, what happens next, what the characters are. You know, it, it just sort of leaves you like something's missing. And... If you go into this game and you think everything is going going to be explained to you from beginning to end, and you're the hero that's going to save the entire world and get the girl at the end, and you're going to live happily ever after. If, if you're looking for that kind of game, if you're looking for Return of the Jedi, you're not going to be satisfied. It's not what this game is about. It's not... It's it's an imperfect ending. It leaves you sort of sitting crooked, sitting funny, you know? Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not going to answer every question. It's not going to explain every single piece of theory that, uh, that they introduce, right? You're going to have to come to your own conclusion. Like the end. You know, where's Ellie going at the end? Is she going back to Dina? You know, is, is she going to live on in the wilderness? Is she going back to Wyoming, the Wyoming compound at all? Is she going to go with Tommy? Where's she going? The, the, the game doesn't. And obviously, they don't want this to be the last one, that. I would think. <laughs> yeah, but There's, it, it, it gives you enough. Yeah, but it gives you enough to to be the last one. Same, same thing with the last of us. So it could end up, yeah. Yeah, so it could. Um, and I see why a lot of people have problems with the themes and the character development and uh, the ending, ending 
Um, but I think that's the point. I mean, that's the point. People, people don't grow, or at least people with this sort of mindset don't yeah, grow. Sometimes that. there are no changing people. Yeah, sometimes you can't change people. I mean, just look at what we're going through right now yeah. with <laughs> all of the protests and Black Lives Matter and all that. I mean, just look at that. People are trying to affect change to people. People are stuck that in their old ways. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they won't accept. They're trying that. to change people that don't change, and and rightfully so. You know, rightfully so. Um, it's it's definitely worth worth it. Um, rightfully so in the I, change. I, we should. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Rightfully so in the change. Um, uh, trying to affect change and in the change. Um, and so I think that's the point of the game is people don't realize that they're wrong until the very end, until, until they realize they've lost everything. You know, and I think that's, or at least for me, um, beyond that, I can't really say much else. I, I, I know people have trouble with the way Joel was killed. Um, you know, why did he let his guard down? But you have to realize that for for four or five years after that, they were living in relative comfort. They weren't living on the streets. They were living in a compound, a well-protected compound with electricity, with all the, with all the comforts that we have now. Um, and, you know, over time, you let your guard down, I guess. Yeah, and, so, and so that's why... That's why he was taken by surprise. So, um, so what would you rate it then? <laughs> would you would you say it lived up to your expectations? Passed them? Yeah. Didn't live up to expectations? What would you say? Yeah, this is a ten out of five. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'd say that yeah, surpasses. It, it, it exceeded my expectations um, just from a story standpoint. Uh. It is. It's really complicated. It's a complicated game that goes through a lot of themes, a lot of contradictions. Um, and I was just doing a Cliff Notes version of what happened. <laughs> um, because there's the whole thing about gen gen gender identity and you know a bunch of other stuff that they get into. Um, so yeah, I, I'm... It, to, to be honest, it, it left me speechless. Like, I didn't know what to think at the end of it. Like, as the end credits rolled, I, um, if you're listening to this and um, you, you plan on playing the game, there is no post credit sequence. I'll say that. Good to know. Um, yeah. Um, it sort of it sticks with you. I'm still thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> I beat it on those. Monday. those are always good to get, yeah. Yeah, it's like it still sticks with me. I'm still thinking about it. Uh, my opinion won't change. I still, I still love this game. I know a lot of people don't like the story, don't like the game. Um, and I, I guess if you're unwilling to dig deep and think about it, then you're not going to re really, really get it. Because you know, I read the reviews after because I didn't want to be spoiled on anything. Sure. Um, and it's it's kind of like these game reviewers 
didn't delve that deep into the concept, the concepts behind what they saw. You know, like, like the unchanging nature of people, or what is hate? You know, hate is just fear, this disguised, right? Um, what is revenge? You know, it, it's it's kind of like they they didn't even look at these sort of these questions. Almost like just to hurry up and beat it for the review so they can get it out. Yeah, done. like because the violence thing is just the, the surface level theme. You know, this is an extremely violent game. I've told you about it, Tim. It's like we kind of uh, know that already. <laughs> going yeah. into it, did you not see the trailers? <laughs> Three, four trailers that they released. There's a woman that gets her arm broken while she's being held held down and hit with a hammer. <laughs> I mean, come on, this is a violent game, and I don't think I I just don't know how they how I got what I got and they got what they got. You know what I mean? Yep. No, that like, does sound like the Last Jedi, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's doesn't make sense. And you know, you know, I, 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 I just, um, I understand that I'll never understand. That's <laughs> what I'll say about that. It's like you're paid to do this, and I'm not. And I got all of this sort of stuff from it, and you didn't. And you, you just got like this surface thing. Like, like what happened? You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> so. Um, well, yeah, this is. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, at least the most important thing is how you what you got out of it, <laughs> how you loved it, yeah. and got so much from what you were hoping to get out of it, while others did it, which kind of sucks. You hope everyone has a great experience like you do, when there's something you really enjoy. But you enjoyed it the most yeah. is what's really important. Yeah, um, I guess the final thing I'll say about uh, the Last of Us Two is you have to go into it thinking that you're not going to be happy. This game is a game that wasn't made. It, uh, it is not fun to play. <laughs> um, the gameplay elements are great. You know, the, the way that all of the mechanics are great. It's not fun to play at all. It's extremely depressing. It's emotion. It's like I said, an emotional roller coaster. You go from a high to a low, an extreme low, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then back to a high again. And it, you know, you go back and forth and back and forth, and it's oh my god! And you get to that <laughs> farmhouse scene, and it's like, <laughs> it's like oh my god! Why can't this just this just be over? You know, I can't just end. And then you have an entire another level to get through. Um, so just know going into it, it's not fun to play. You will not be happy. You will not feel like the conquering hero. And I think that's the main point that I want to drill into people's head. You're not Luke. You're not going to save the day. You're just not. And if, if you feel like you need that kind of story, don't play The Last of Us 2. Because you're not going to get that. This isn't Call of Duty where you save the universe 50,000 times. <laughs> Not that. 
it is not that. And I have to drill that into, I feel like I have to drill that into every person that I talk to uh, about this game. You're not the conquering hero of stories past. You're not Aragorn, right? You're an incredibly flawed human being, uh, which is to say you're a human being. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, you're, if, if you're looking for that conquering hero story, do not play the game. If you're looking for the happy ending, do not play the game. And that's all I'll say about it. Um, this is a 10 out of 5 for me. It blew me away. Everything was great about it. Nice. Glad to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I was real curious to hear what you were going to say about it because I know it has been divisive. I know you've really been looking forward to it too. So glad it surpassed your expectations. And eventually I've got to play this series one day. But maybe by the time I play it, I'll kind of forget some of the details you were telling about and I'll be surprised again (laughs) when it happens. But uh, it did have me intrigued to explore it though, to experience the story for myself at some point. So. Uh, we'll see when that happens. Maybe before Last of Us Three comes out. <laughs> oh, so the end of the PS Five, the end of the console generation. Yeah, so right PS5. before the PS Six. <laughs> oh, that's another thing I forgot to mention: the graphics, man. Oh my god, yeah, I, I can can't imagine, yeah. what Naughty Dog's going to do with the PS Five. It Jeez, is yeah. beautiful. It's a beautiful game. I'm sure this will get ported and upscaled on the PS Five rather oh, quickly. Yeah. I would imagine. <laughs> Oh, that's another thing too. I do not want to play this game again. Yeah, it's one at of those the end of this game, it was just like I do not want to play it again. Like I love I it, but it. <laughs> at least it's not for a soul. long while. Not not for a long, long while. Um, but yeah, I I can't wait to see what what Naughty Dog's gonna do with um with the PS5. It looks amazing. Uh, the Wyoming scenes with the the long the, the mountains and the, the fields of like wheat and grass. Oh my God. It's, it's such a beautiful game. Um, yeah. We can't wait to see what Naughty Dog does with PS5. Um, Naughty Dog is a company I can't say I don't like any of their game style. Yeah. I, I've loved everything they've put up. So, hey, even though I haven't played all of them, the ones I have played, <laughs> I've loved. I mean, I played obviously Uncharted, the Jack and Daxter games, which I wish they would go back and do, were always fun platformers. So, I don't think they've done wrong yet. Yeah, I, I can't re- remember the reason why they they uh, they haven't gone back to Jack Jackson Daxter. I know there was a reason. But I can't remember that. Was there? Ones, I, but... I just thought they just moved on to one of the new different projects. But no, no, there was a specific reason. I remember uh, it, it was either Neil Druckmann or Bruce Straley saying, "I think I, I think they got busy with um, Last of Us and uh, Uncharted Four. I think I think that was the reason. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> Two big projects yeah. like that." anyway yeah um this is a 10 out of 5 for me it's exceeded my expectations um it's a complicated game um if you're just looking for point a to point b to point c you're not going to be happy um so yeah 
that's uh, my review of The Last of Us uh, 2. Cool. Uh, you should definitely play it. You should definitely get it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on to our news and discussion topic. Sorry, that that was a really long segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that the type of game that needed to have <laughs> its fair share and time yeah. to review. Explanation. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Joel Schumacher passed away. Um, yeah, we're not moving. I know on we didn't really brighter project or brighter new subjects yeah. after the depressing stuff you're there. The last of us, too. But yeah, Joel Schumacher passed away. Uh, sad news. I, I, I do like Batman and Robin, it's a fun movie. Batman and Forever, not so much. Um, yeah, sad news. You, you hate to see anybody pass away. Yeah, and obviously, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin have their reputations, but Joel Schumacher has left his mark on Batman history. Love him, but movies or hate him. But I just got to say, obviously, we've talked about on the show how we're not fans of Batman Forever and Batman and Robin is what it is. You could look at it for entertainment value and whatnot, but it's not obviously Batman's finest hour on the screen. But in regards to Joe Schumacher making those, I would highly suggest watching the special features on the Batman uh, box set that came out on DVD and Blu-ray a couple of years back, where it has this great documentary covering each of the movies. And just how Joe Schumacher talks about the process and what it was like for him to make the particular Batman and Robin and how um, he looks back on it. And this kind of shows what a classy guy he was and acknowledging that how fans weren't happy with it and even apologizing at the end of that documentary saying if you know he's upset if he's upset fans or caused any fans to be unhappy he sincerely apologizes for that and this kind of shows what a guy he is kind of nice guy he was and just um how he viewed his fans and his audience for his movies so you can say what you want about those movies but uh, joel schumacher was someone uh who showed uh the class and what you would hope to see from someone who's in who is a filmmaker and is working on these projects, regardless of how you view them. Um, he uh, showed reflection and knows the mistakes that were made and wasn't a director who just kind of stood by what was on screen and didn't really care about it. Like, it's it's over and done with, not my problem anymore. You could kind of tell he took ownership for what for the movies he made for that, So, which was good to see. So, And he isn't defined by those two movies, especially Batman and Robin, for a film director. He's oh. obviously had some other big movies that were well regarded as well so um definitely someone who will be missing the movie industry and like i said definitely left his mark on uh, the batman mythos with those two films yeah um he my uh girlfriend is obsessed with the phantom of the opera so much so that when the um the broadway show came to came down here I had to sit through like three, uh, four hours of Phantom of the Opera. I actually saw it. <laughs> yeah. And he directed the movie version, the film version. And I have seen that movie, heard that movie in the background a thousand times. <laughs> so, so you're yeah, well he, familiar with it. <laughs> I'm well familiar with Joel Schumacher's other movies. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he he also wrote the rip the the, the Wiz from the Michael Jackson Wizard of Oz movie. Oh, really? I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I didn't know that either. Uh, but yeah, he wrote it. So just a nice little tidbit. But anyway, um, you know what, Tim? I, I don't know what this next piece of news is. Okay. I, I, I tried to figure it out on a on a basic level, but I just could not um, figure it out. So, so, so why don't you just go into it? So this is the DC Fandom event, and it's basically going to be their online virtual Comic-Con panel, pretty much. You know, Comic-Con's doing their own uh, virtual stay-at-home convention, and DC's going to have their own on August 22nd. It's going to be a 24-hour virtual convention, and they're going to have panels, they're going to have news announcements, they're going to have interviews. Um, Should be a lot of big stuff announced here, and I'm kind of thinking this might be the place where they officially announced Michael Keaton coming back because you got a lot of uh, uh, big names going to be panels. I know Zack Snyder is going to be on there talking about uh, his kind of Justice League and uh, Jason Momoa, uh, Patty Jenkins, Gal Gadot, I believe. So all the people that we know are involved in the upcoming films are going to have their own panels. And I'm sure there's going to be some announcements for what's going to come next. So this is something to look out for. And obviously there'll be comic story announcements, maybe some TV announcements. So it's... Tw- they say it's 24 hours, so hopefully they'll release a schedule as far as what panels are going to be showing at what times. And it's all just going to be through streaming, so I'm sure there'll be a YouTube page. Right now, there's already a DC Fandom page, which kind of has a virtual layout of their quote-unquote convention floor <laughs> of what it's going to be. That has like their Hall of Heroes, the DC Funverse, the Insiderverse, the Kidsverse, the Watchverse. So there'll be probably different areas you can explore on the website as well to go along watching the stream. So... This is kind of cool. I'm glad a lot of different companies are doing this with uh, there being no conventions this year due to the pandemic. And instead of just not doing anything, they're giving us something to get these cool announcements and news stories because it's always fun looking forward to Comic-Con and getting all these new announcements and stuff to look forward to. So glad that's continuing some capacity and it might work out even better for those of us who don't go to Comic-Con or conventions because now we won't miss out on any of Something that might have been exclusively shown at a panel in Hall H, but now they're just going to have it all online, at least on the DC side of things. And we'll see how much other stuff from the, the standard Comic-Con uh, virtual panel will be. So I think this is cool and something to look forward to. Yeah, I guess so. Um, what are they going to do about their, their comics? I know they just announced they're not going to use Diamond anymore. And... Yeah. Are, are they going digital? No, they're still still going to publish physical copies. I haven't yeah. saw if there is any official announcement as far as what they're doing. I think they're probably just going to have to use some other distributor. But um, I'm not sure who that was yet, if they found someone or if that hasn't been announced yet. But it's definitely going to be a shift for comic distribution with Diamond losing one of the biggest ones, obviously. So I've already seen articles how this could be a big shift for uh, just Diamond and just the sh- uh, distributing process of comics in general so we'll see what happens all right so our last piece of news is that uh, Zack Snyder I guess released a sneak peek of the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League yeah I think uh, this showed up on the HBO Max YouTube page or their social media accounts yeah. one day <laughs> and it's basically yeah, just um, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman kind of looking through this almost like an Egyptian type tomb with these hieroglyphics showing symbols of dark side and apocalypse with Lex Luthor's uh, monologue from the end of BVS about the bell being rung. And we get this one quick shot of dark side from a distance, you know, get a great look at him, but on a battlefield preparing for war. So 
small little tease of what we're going to get in Zack Snyder's Justice League, which was cool to get. I wasn't expecting to see new footage this early. I think we're definitely going to see more, probably the first full-length trailer at DC Fandom. So, and again, already showing some stuff I would, wouldn't even expect was in the film or was filmed, like Gal Gadot seeing those symbols of Darkseid. And we saw the concept art of Darkseid before, but now actually seeing it in the film was pretty cool. So just some stuff to whet our appetite till we get the first official teaser. But came sooner than expected <laughs> to see the first footage of it. So it was just some little, a nice sweet surprise to get during the last two weeks. So looking forward to seeing more. For our movie, Tim, you gonna be there? For our movie. For uh, for our movie. <laughs> the number four. See, I, you're, uh, I'm lost, Dan. Am I missing a joke somewhere that I'm not getting? <laughs> yeah, are you, are you gonna be sitting there for the four, the number four, our movie? Oh, four hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, now I sound like a war. I thought you said four hour movie. <laughs> like you and me are making a movie. <laughs> like what? <laughs> if it's four hours, I'll I'll do my best. But I have a feeling it's going to be split up. I think it's going to be an episodic yeah. thing. But now you got me thinking. We got to make our own Justice League movie now, Dane. <laughs> I know. And we'll just call um, it four hour Justice League. <laughs> four hour Justice League. Um. So yeah, now now we can move on to our review section for this episode. Uh, um, uh, there's gonna be a lot of spoilers uh, in this part, like like our last of, my Last of Us uh, two uh, review. Um, not so much uh, spoilers so, because this comic is definitely not as long as the last review game. So yeah. <laughs> not so much detail to go so, into. <laughs> so if you haven't read your books yet, uh, pause it right here and then read read them and come back and we will. Uh, we will be reviewing uh, Batman the Animated the, the animated Series continues <laughs> number six. It might as uh, well Batman be called the Adventures. That. Yeah. Uh, Batman the Adventures continue number six. And our rating scale is going to be um, jokes that Dane says that Tim doesn't understand. <laughs> uh, sad but true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So this is the last part of the mentor storyline coming with dealing with Deathstroke, trying to gain the trust of Robin and Batgirl, but at the same time trying to take down Batman. So the last issue revealed Lex Luthor hired him and Deathstroke was playing the long game to try to take down Batman, but Lex wants him dead now. So Deathstroke's going to put his final action of his plan um, into motion to try to get Batman. And Batman's going out alone. He's pretty much grounded Tim <laughs> for uh, going out against orders and following Deathstroke in the last issue. So the bat signal flies or shines in the sky as they're having dinner. And Bruce goes to Gotham with the GCPD rooftop and sees Commissioner Gordon and the other officers knocked out by some gas and sees Deathstroke there. And lets him know that he knows where Firefly is located and he's going to take him no matter what this time, dead or alive. And Batman's welcome to come, but <laughs> Deathstroke is the one who's going to take him in. And so it was kind of, I was hoping we'd get a whole issue set up with Batman and Deathstroke working together, at least for one issue, because we know um, they're going to end up coming to blows. Deathstrokes, this is all just an act to trying to take down Batman. But I was hoping for one issue we would have got, got them working together. But at the same time, we already know Deathstroke is behind Firefly. Not really being Garfield Lins, but being the person he's working with, it's all a setup. So they go to um, a dam 
so that it's set up to explode. But before that, Tim's talking to Barbara while she's working at the library, kind of complaining about being grounded. But Barbara gets a note in one of the books that says it's a trap, knowing that Bruce is walking into a trap. So she figures that out. And before they get there, Firefly attacks Batman. But Batman knows this really isn't Garfield Lens. There's little differences he's noticing that doesn't fit with what he knows of the original Firefly. Says his moves are a little different. And even though the voice sounds the same, it's not that doesn't have that psychotic edge as Batman describes it. So he knows this is some fishy's going on. So he throws like a freeze bomb at uh, Firefly, freezing the suit, and falls down and realizes it's um, someone he doesn't recognize, but it's the woman who's Darth Deathstroke's accomplice in this whole mission. So that's when Deathstroke moves in to attack Batman, realizing the game's up. He's going to go take him down now. And he explains his full plan, which. I, another thing I would have liked to see, um, he goes on, Not he just doesn't want to take down and kill Batman because it's a job, but he wants his entire operation. And that's why he wants to earn the trust of Robin and Batgirl. So he's trying to plan this whole setup where Batman would be killed by uh, Firefly. And Deathstroke knows re- where the real Firefly is. He's being in hiding with the Cobra organization in like terrible shape. And he'll eventually know where he's, he knows where he's at. He's, he'll find Firefly, kill him bring him back and show Robin and Batgirl that he avenged the death of Batman and that'll just earn his trust with them even more so. So I just like his whole scheme and idea was, you know, he wanted to be Batman pretty much, have his operation, have his partners with Robin and Batgirl and be the new uh, probably protector of Gotham, but obviously a more ruthless and lethal protector. But as he's explaining his plan, Batgirl and Robin show up and they heard the whole thing thanks to that anonymous tip. Batgirl got so they were able to show up in time stop him from uh, killing Batman and obviously no longer trusting him and they're able to take him down Batman is able to put a blaze Deathstroke suit it gets caught on fire though it's not going to burn it it's just going to make it very uncomfortable to fight and start burning up and he eventually gets uh, knocked out by a fire hydrant being thrown at his head so uh, they take down Deathstroke uh, take him into custody but their bigger concern is figuring out who this mystery person is who's been not only stalking them, but now leaving clues and warnings about traps and knowing everything that's going on and how he's just one step ahead. And so it looks like the slowly but surely we're getting to the point where they'll realize that's Jason Todd. And just the issue ends with uh, everyone looking at the back computer, uh, trying to find prints on who left that note, but there's none there. And then we just see Jason looking, standing on a rooftop on a gargoyle, smiling with the tease that Azrael is coming next issue. So we'll see how Azrael is handled in the Batman, the animated series universe. So overall, I liked this uh, interpretation and how they incorporated Deathstroke. I just wanted some more. I think they could have gone deeper and explored some cool story avenues that it was a little longer. Like I mentioned, what if Deathstroke succeeded for a few issues and taking down Batman, believing he killed him and he did, take over the operation working with Batgirl and Robin. I think that could have made for some cool, interesting stories for a couple of issues before Batman comes back and shows, obviously, who Deathstroke really is and makes Batgirl and Robin see he's not to be trusted and is actually an enemy. So um, cool ideas. I just wish it was explored more. Uh, the story felt kind of fast and a little too similar because a lot of mainly these three issues were them trying fighting a fake Firefly, <laughs> which um, it was good for one issue, but wanted more exploration with the whole Deathstroke dynamic because the story foundation was there. I just wanted to see expanded on a little bit. So satisfying though. It's cool to have Deathstroke in the animated series universe now, and hopefully we'll see him again, show up in other stories. So I'm just going to give this one 
three out of five jokes that Dane says that just fly right over Tim's head, and he has right no clue. <laughs> it sounds like an idiot. <laughs> um. So yeah, I guess that's it, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, just go over to the BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse, the show's Twitter handles at BatfansPodcast, Tim's Twitter handles at TimG311, my Twitter handle is at DancesBanana, rate and reviews on iTunes, and you can email the show at BatfansWithAllPants at gmail.com. So with that, like we see at the end of every single episode, Tim. We love each and every one of you with all of our hearts, even the ones that are too dumb to get jokes. We'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody. Yeah.